Welcome to the Visit Vallejo podcast. I'm your host, Gary Jones, a local professional musician and amateur foodie who can't stop eating all the amazing food Vallejo has to offer. This month, in celebration of Restaurant Week, we'll be taking a closer look at Vallejo's thriving food scene. In this series, we're meeting some of the chefs behind these iconic restaurants and finding out what life is like on the other side of online ordering. We're going to be visiting some old favorites and some really exciting up-and-coming restaurants. If you're not hungry yet, I guarantee you will be. So my name is Anthony Guerrera, and I'm a second-generation here owner of Napoli Pizzeria. Um, my parents bought this business in 1968, and uh, they owned and operated it all the way through 2010, when I have three brothers, my brothers and I, we all uh, came together and we bought this business, and we just kind of some inside baseball stuff. We went from a, a my dad has, had been a sole proprietorship all along, so we formed a corporation, and uh, even though it's a corporate owned, it's still it's still family, you know. Right. Eleven years later. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm here essentially five five and a half six days a week. Uh, my brothers will pop in every now and again. Um, my dad comes in. I introduced you to my uncle. Yeah, he came very in. cool. He he'll pop in three or four days a week. So uh, it really is a family affair. Yeah. And we like to think that that makes a difference and that oh, people, sure. people can tell. Yeah. So. And so, um, were your parents trained chefs, or um, maybe go back to the way beginning? Sure. So my dad immigrated from Italy in uh, 1962. Okay. He was sponsored by his uncle, and he uh, came to Napa. He got a job there. Worked at my uncle's gas station, whereupon he met my mother, who was vacationing in California. Wow. That's how they met. Cool. And uh, after the gas station. Uh, job. He worked at the, the depot in Napa, which is kind of a classic Italian house dinners uh, for for Clement up there, who's still actually making malfatti to this day up at Val's Liquors in Napa. So my dad got his training from him over the course of a couple years. Then an opportunity came along here in Vallejo. Uh, the the Messinas, the Messina family, was selling this business, and uh, my. My father and his brother, my uncle, purchased it in 1968, and uh, they operated it together till I would say about 1974, 75, mm-hmm. somewhere in the mid 70s. And then he moved his family to the Sacramento area, and they opened three or four Napoli pizzerias over wow. there, although under a slightly different name, it's called Roma Pizzeria, but but the same exact concept, very similar setup. Yeah. So, so we've had this. Uh, and then it's just my dad solo sits there, my mom and dad. Yeah. yeah. And and you have a location in Vacaville and Venetia as well. Right. right. So yeah. I, I had mentioned the the four stores there in Sacramento yeah. associated with my uncle and his family. So as my my brothers came to be um, came into adulthood, they each kind of migrated off on their own. And uh, my brother Chris uh, formed the second Napoli Pizzeria in Venetia, and then a few years later, my brother Michael in in Vacaville. And I, I kind of came late to the party in a sense because I went off to uh, UC Davis, had a degree in geosciences. From there, I moved down to Arizona State in Tempe, stayed there about four years, uh, did some more uh, geologic training there. 
came back up here, moved to Sacramento, and had a career in geosciences up there for about five years. And uh, what started happening was, I don't know, I just felt some some kind of emptiness, some kind of incompleteness doing yeah. doing that job. Not to say it was the people or even the career path. It just I didn't feel whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sort of classically trained as a, a geologist, so I think in my mind I anticipated uh, being out in the field doing uh, sort of uh, rock studies for geosciences. Or, and um, what ended up happening is after about two or three two or three years of that, uh, I just kind of ended up in like this classic middle manager position, right? I was no longer really doing any geologic sciences at all. I was trying to win jobs. I was trying to, uh, you know, you win a job, you have a budget. Now I'm, I'm looking at the staff saying, okay, this guy bills out at $60 an hour. This lady bills out at $90 an hour. How can we build this staff to make this budget? And I was just like very unhappy with that. Yeah. It just, just wasn't for me. So I started working Saturdays down here for about a year. Mm-hmm. And then I just knew I had to make a decision. And then I just said, got the family together, and I said I'd like to come back in the family business. Do you have any like early memories in the kitchen, cooking, growing up around food, <clears throat> that kind of? Well, yeah. so not only did my father own this business, but he also owns this building. Right. And so there are a couple of rental units yeah. up above us here. And at that time, us growing up in the 70s and 80s, my grandparents lived up there. Oh, cool. So when when summer came, we stayed here essentially three or four days a week with uh, Nana and Grandpa. And because because of obviously the proximity and school's not in session, we were down here every morning with uh, with Dad. Yeah. So that's how we learned to make dough. That's how we learned to roll meatballs. Um, a lot, a lot of different things in the business, and also we saw how things changed. You know, back back in the seventies, uh, for example, salami and pepperoni came in, in big fat sticks that were like five feet long. Yeah. And the, the salami company representative would just have them flung over his shoulder, and they were enclosed in a natural casing. Yeah. And, and I just remember you have a, a white butcher's coat. And he would just have these salami sticks slung over his head. He would come in, and uh, my dad would say, uh, "Take two off, add two more." You bring him in, and then the kids would start slicing. We would start slicing the salami pepper. That's how it was. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any? Do you have any recipes that you kind of brought on your own, or are you kind of just keeping with the tradition? Yeah. So that's a that's a question that comes up fairly often. Yeah. Um, so when we took over the business from Dad in 2010. We kind of examined things a little bit, asked ourselves if there's anything we wanted to add or take away. Yeah. And with regard to the current recipes, um, we said all this has worked for right. 40 years. Yeah. So, so the, we're not yeah. gonna we're not gonna change this. So we kept that all the same. And then since we added, you know, we added some other recipes. We added a um, our ranch recipe, our Caesar recipe, yeah. Alfredo sauce, uh, marinara sauce, and for some of those things. Um, for some of the salt, we had like a pesto cream sauce. I, I had done them myself, experimented here in the kitchen, yeah. and I just had to recognize my limits, so to speak. So we have a relationship with one of our vendors at the time, U.S. Foods, and I reached out to her, and she brought in a consulting chef as part of our arrangement. Right. And it was, um, 
discount discounted price compared to what I might pay for um, for a consulting chef. And he spent a day with me, and he just taught me some things, and he taught me the Caesar, he taught me uh, the Alfredo, and it made all the difference. Yeah. Instead of trying to figure it out in the dark. Yeah. Just just had to listen and learn for a day and practice, and then we were able to put it on the menu. Cool. And uh, I remember when we first put the Alfredo on the menu, the Alfredo went on the menu for the fettuccine Alfredo pastas, and we, we would make a batch of it, and we would say, okay, we put like a day dot sticker on it, and we'd be like, okay, this is Monday, this will be good till Thursday. And, and, and then Thursday would come, and we'd throw half of it away. And then the next batch would happen, and then three days later we'd come and we'd throw it away. And uh, after about a couple months of this, I was just like, man, is this really going to work? Is this what people in Vallejo want? But now here we are, you know, seven, eight years later, and we make a batch a day. So have you, have you noticed just any kind of trends in the community recently? Like, um, I know we're trying to get the food scene going in Vallejo. Yeah, um, yeah. It seems like this is kind of a stalwart kind of of the of the community yeah yeah um well you know i just remember coming through two very tough times and some booming times yeah i remember when uh clinton president clinton closed the military bases which i think was in the mid 90s if i recall you know there used to be ten thousand people working on their island in the 90s in its heyday there was probably thirty thousand. And I remember as a kid, around four o'clock, basically from Sacramento Street all the way to Maryland Way, it was just traffic because people coming off the base. And then it was gone. Right. And my dad's business took a 15 to 20% hit. Um, and so he just had to re retrench and make sure he focused on quality and make sure that he focused on the takeout and the, and the dine-in because now delivery was gone because we used to deliver to Mare Island. Oh, that was, that was our that was our delivery niche, Mare mm -hmm. uh, Island, because because it was fairly close, right? And um, so that was gone now. <clears throat> so went through that, made it through that, and then it got then some better times, and then the, the economic recession in 2007 with the housing collapse and all that, which hit Vallejo really really yeah. hard. So many you know, foreclosures, so many short sales. I mean, I can remember. You know, you get to know people as you do this, but I can rem I can remember real estate agents coming in here and just having a meatball sandwich and a salad, working on writing up all their short sales. Um, there were just so many of them at the time. It was just a really bad and dark time. It also was concurrent with the city of Vallejo shrinking its police department from about 150 to 80, maybe, you know, almost in half. Um, so... It just made you wonder what is going to happen, but we made it through that. Yep. And then after that, um, you know, I think that coincided with the time that President Obama came in, and things started growing. You know, two to four percent annually, or two to three percent annually a year, and it really was it really was boom times, and has been boom times here all the way up till pretty much the end of President Trump's administration until COVID. And right. I just want to talk about how pandemic has affected um, the staff. The yeah. staff has been great. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, most of them have stayed. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've hired maybe two or three people in this year because I've just been, I've been blessed enough to not have to hire because they've stayed. 
and they stayed and they and they worked hard and we're like our own little family and sometimes we joke that we're our own little dysfunctional family yeah. because there's always things happening right but but still we're there for each other right and you know what so covid happened in march and then a couple months after that we had to start wearing masks and this was a problem i mean in the sense of people have their own constitutional beliefs they have their own religious beliefs they have their own healthcare beliefs and a lot of people did not get on board and we were trying to enforce a healthcare mandate that came from Solano County and sometimes that was at odds with all these other people's beliefs and sometimes it has not been easy for the staff right but they they try and handle it as professionally as possible they they stay calm we still want to serve these people and we just politely let them know hey if you step outside we'll bring your food to you mm -hmm. and it's been it's been really good they've handled themselves really well so i just really need to to plug for that and uh, this one that you've seen walking by a couple times china she's been with me for six years she has gone from uh server to a manager yeah i had, I had an opening and she just she just stepped right in. You know, uh, people don't become, in my view, people, or let me put it this way, people become valuable in companies or for businesses, um, not by talking about how they're gonna become valuable, but just by doing. Right. And then if you're any kind of a, a conscious ownership group and you have your eyes open, you will be able to see this. And um, I was able to see that with her and couldn't, couldn't hold her back, couldn't deny her. So I, I, I brought her up and she's excelled at it. I think she's super proud. And you know, she's experiencing, you know, more financial success. And I think she's has this pride that that I don't think I could pay her enough for. It, it just makes yeah. her feel good, you know. So, you know, she's doing all that while raising the family, while going to school. She's doing a fantastic job. And that's just you know, one little sidebar about my staff, oh, which, yeah, I, yeah. which I really want to applaud. Would you mind if, um, just to get a different perspective, if I had my manager Gina come over? No, not She's at all. At this point, we get to sit down with Napoli's manager Gina, who is busy making pizza dough from scratch with Uncle Vinny. She's been working at the restaurant for six years now. I've been working here since I was about 15 years old. I'm 21 now. I started here as a cashier. I moved myself to dishwasher, to prep, to pastas to padding, to ovens, to pizza make, and now I'm a manager slash pizza maker. And I work, Napoli's is like a family to me. Anthony gave me my first job when nobody else did. He's always been there for me. He's like a father figure to me. So eventually, someday when he wants to retire, me and my family are looking to own Napoli's. Cool. So yeah, I love Napoli's, I love pizza making. I love everything about it. Yeah. And are you from Vallejo? Yeah, actually, yeah. I never heard of Napoli's until I started working here okay. because, you know, we didn't have a lot of money growing up, and so Napoli's is pretty pricey, so, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. but it's worth it. The price is yeah. way worth it because everything's fresh. Like, we make the dough every day. We make the meatballs, the chicken. We shred mushrooms every day. We shred fresh cheese every day, fresh parm, so yeah. it's worth it, yeah. Yeah, you can tell. And, um... Were you interested in cooking before you got your job or is it like, I want to get a job and then 
Yeah, I actually yeah. wasn't. I was just looking for a job anywhere, and then once I started working here, I was like, "Hey, this is pretty fun. This is cool. Yeah, making things from scratch. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty fun." So you know all the family family recipes and yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so what's your favorite thing on the menu? Oh God! <laughs> if you had to eat one thing for the rest of your life, from here, that's it. That's all you could eat. Probably a tortellini with Alfredo sauce. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So, um. It's obvious that COVID's like super tough times. Um, yes. In your opinion, just like kind of take us through your experience with the pandemic and being in the food industry. So before here. COVID hit, I also was a server. And yeah. so it sucked when we had to shut down for serving because of COVID. But it was nice for me because I still got to work, but it was sad for other servers. It felt really weird because as long as I've known Napoli's, we've always had dine-in. Yeah. And so it was it was strange for it to be empty. And a lot of our customers say that, that it's strange having it empty all the time. Yeah. But for takeout, I'm very grateful for our customers because we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And we have had good business, but not as much as when we had dining. But still, it yeah. keeps us above float. Yep, nice. Um, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Do you have any just like any other things you can think of just... Napoli related that you'd like to share? Um, I'm pretty sure you've seen Uncle. That's Uncle Vinny. Yeah. I, yeah. I love how Tony's family, he, you know, Papa Tony will come down here and he'll do maintenance on the building or he'll come down and roll some dough or Uncle Vinny, he'll come in. So I love that Anthony's family still comes in and, yeah. you know, helps out. The cool thing that I love about Napoli coming from the East Coast is not, there's a lot of um, like takeout pizza out here. Mm -hmm. There's not that like pizzeria feel where everyone comes in for lunch or dinner and actually sits down and eats at a pizza place. And you have that here, which is really cool. You know, uh, yeah. you, you just so nailed it. I've always wanted to promote that in our social media. Just when I talk to people, when I observe people, I just love it when they can come in here and have a pizza at the table, yep. have a pitcher of beer or a round of sodas, and then when they get done or before, yep. they, they go like this. Totally, right? totally. And that just tells me, without even knowing them, that just tells me that they're comfortable. Yeah. And it makes me feel good. And that's what I want, when, you know, when the time comes, when we get to reopen, I, I, I want people to be able to come back and, and feel that, that Pizza parlor feeling. Yeah, I don't think that's a word we use too much out here in the West Coast. Pizza parlor. <laughs> yeah, it's more of an East Coast thing. Yeah, I know that because my grandparents are from Massachusetts. Yeah, and they always refer to it as a pizza parlor. A bunch of uncles and aunts from the Massachusetts area, pizza parlor, pizza parlor, and and that's that's what I want my customers to feel. And, and I, I really do believe that that combined with the comfort food and the family nature, I really do think they get that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, the second I walked in. To this place, I was like, oh, this is like I, yeah. I totally, totally uh, brought me back. Do you have? Okay, so I, I have a fun, like, kind of fun question. If you had to eat one thing on your menu, that's the only thing you could eat for the rest of your life. What would it be? Okay, uh, let me see. I do get some version of this um, now and again. Like, yeah. If it had to be any type of pizza or what's yeah. your go-to pizza or go-to pasta, if I was forced, 
I would have to say it would be Penne with meatballs. Okay. Yeah, Solid. because yeah. you know we make. I think they're making meatballs right now, but we make the meatballs every day. Oh, at, okay. At the top of the day, so they're just super fresh. They're nice and plump and fat, and then we just combine the the, the, the protein with some of the carbs of the pasta. A nice slow cooked ragu. Yeah. You know, our meat sauce, which we're making this morning. You know, I got here right about nine this morning. Put it on at nine, and it's going to be cooking till four o'clock. Right. You know, so. So it's not about some things you just can't do fast, right? It's totally. about it's just about letting the flavors integrate. You know that dough that you were making, that you saw them making, that they were putting in trays. It's going to be at its best 24 hours from now mm-hmm. because the, the gluten is going to get a chance to do its thing. The 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 yeast is going to be able to uh, keep generating its CO2 and its other components. There's a little bit of dairy in there, so there's going to be some. Uh, lactic acid uh, bacteria in there, which are gonna munch on a little bit of sugar and they're gonna give off some byproducts. All those things, they're just gonna integrate those flavors and it's gonna be just, just a bit better tomorrow than right. it is today. And so that's what we go for. In other words, it, time makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Is, I guess what I'm trying to explain. Yeah, that's cool. So, and do you have a, a family recipe sauce that's been yeah, it's, going, it's, yeah. My, it's my dad's recipe. Haven't changed it not one single bit. It's in the vault somewhere, yeah, right? or exactly. it's in your it's in exactly. your DNA at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah, it's in my DNA. But uh, yeah. you know, you know, you kind of you kind of alluded to to something that that is one of the things that we had to change coming transitioning out of dad's business, which was you know when dad was here, myself, brothers were here. There was like twelve of us here, a staff of twelve, and like. You know, nothing was really written down in terms of recipes. Right. And then as we grew the business, like eventually we, you know, at our height before um, summer of 2018, I guess you would say. Hey, Chris. Good. We were at like 27 people. Wow. And so, you know, not everybody's going to be able to run and memorize a recipe. So, you know, just have them sign a disclosure agreement and everything's on a, in a notebook. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so that we all, like, I'm not going to be able to make the sauce every single time. Every Right now, yeah. So I got to make sure that the the next pasta cook who comes in makes it like I make it. So got to have everything written down. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it seems like at least in uh, these surrounding areas, like Vallejo, Benicia, Vacaville, they can tell though. There's something. The quality is kind of what's selling it for you guys. And one of the things that they can definitely tell, and and I got to tell you, it's it's a, a lot of labor, and I ask myself. You know, several times throughout the years, is this is this worth doing this? And here here is the thing: is the Parmesan cheese. We get these big 25-pound wheels of Parmesan cheese throughout the week, and we have a shredder and we, we shred it every day. And then we take that freshly shredded cheese. And when you when we ask you if you want cheese and peppers after you buy your pizza, and you say yes, we're giving you cheese that was just Parmesan cheese from Italy yep. that was just shredded that morning. And it's a lot of labor and. Um, I just thought to myself, you know, I could just go, I could just go to the distributor and buy these little, the little packages, and just, just hand those out. And I was like, every time I think about that, I think to myself, but no, that we, this is, this is what we're known for. This, this quality product. If we do this, we wouldn't be differentiating ourselves from right. the chains. And these are the little things we must do to differentiate ourselves. Same thing with the ranch dressing. It's like. So homemade batch, oh, from scratch, every oh, day. You can and tell. You can tell homemade ranch. Yeah, yeah, definitely. you can tell. And um, and that's why we call we call our uh, uh, the, the server I mentioned earlier, Dieta. 
she saw us making raviolis one day, which we make from scratch. We make the pasta from scratch, the filling, everything, and we make them. And she saw us making them one day, and she's like, because dad and I were making them, and she says, you know what? She's like, those are pasta pillows of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of kind of like he was saying, well, it was made with love. Yeah. And it, it really is. And um, you know, we we make our ravioli a couple times a week. Again, it'd just be so much easier to just, you know, go online to the distributor and hit in that item number and you, I could get 500 of them. Right. But they're not going to be filled as much as ours. They're not going to be made two days earlier and the customers will be able to tell the difference. Right. Yeah. So are you guys active on social media? What platforms are the best way to kind of follow you guys? Um, well, for the longest time, um, it was Yelp in the yeah. sense of people left their reviews on Yelp. And then now, as we, I would say as it became more um, video and uh, image rich content, yeah, we've really kind of moved over to Instagram. Yeah, that's and, uh, fun. And of course, we've got our baby steps on Facebook right now. Uh, spent a lot of time on Instagram. We do have a Twitter account. See you later, Uncle Vinny. Have a great day. Okay. Yeah, we do have a Twitter account. Um, uh, at Napoli Pizza One, but for, 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 for whatever reason, when it comes to food, People I think like Twitter it. is much more more niche than Instagram and Yelp and, yeah. and Facebook. Yeah. And then uh, we also have, and it's not that we have this, but there's also TripAdvisor and uh, a lot of people, especially tourists in the summer, they'll come in here, they'll get food and they'll post to TripAdvisor. Yeah. Did you get you get a quite a bit of tourists? Yeah, of, yeah. Lot. People, they find us. It's it's amazing. Yeah. They, they do find us. Yeah, we're the, so, the bitty city by the bay, and uh -huh. you know, but there's a lot of great food to offer, and you guys are yeah one of those places. Uh, what else can I share with you? Um, so as I, as I mentioned earlier, we get our we try to keep it local where we can. Yeah. We get our coffee from Moschetti Coffee. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm actually on a quest to work with, uh, uh, I believe it's called Hummingbird Bakery. Yeah. Here in Vallejo. I'm supposed to meet with their ownership group and see if we can't have a local dessert here. Ooh, we, have, we have a couple desserts, but I'd like to add another yeah. one. And, you know, Vallejo helping Vallejo, I think it's right. Great. Totally. So, and uh, we have beer from Marathon Brewing Company which I believe we were their second client, which I'm proud to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have beer from Napa Smith. So, yeah. That's where we're at. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks so much for yeah. spending some time with us. Thanks so much for listening to the Visit Vallejo podcast. Big shout out to Manny and his team at Visit Vallejo for all their hard work during restaurant week. Thank you to all the local restaurants for having us out and chatting with us. Please stay safe, stay hungry, and eat local.